Hi, Bill Bose here. Thanks for joining me at thechampionscourse.com. I'm the author of three best-selling parenting books, Boys, Shaping Ordinary Boys into Extraordinary Men, Girls, Helping Your Little Girl Become an Extraordinary Woman, and Teenage Boys, Shaping the Man Inside. What you have here is a CD that I distributed following a seminar I did called Raising Kids That Money Can't Buy. Take notes and enjoy. Hi, my name is Bill Bose, and thank you for joining me on this CD. If you came to my public lecture, you probably remember that I began the talk by asking the question, why are you here? I ask that often when I'm in groups like that because I'm very curious about the motivations of what pe bring people out. I need to ask you the same question. Why are you listening to this CD? Obviously something is driving you. You've got a desire inside of yourself to make yourself a better parent or perhaps learn some things that you never learned before. I can tell you that I'm a realist. I, I, I've listened to a lot of people over my career, a lot of child-rearing experts, and I generally have the same reaction all the time, and that is when they begin to talk, I immediately first think, now is this someone that I respect enough? Is this someone that sounds like they know what they're talking about? Many times I'm disappointed. In fact, I oftentimes find child-rearing experts to be uh, obscure, hard to understand. The things that they're telling me to do do not jibe with what I've found with my own kids. Sometimes they're uh, abrasive and obnoxious. Um, by and large, I take a little bit of what they say and throw away the rest. And I do that sort of closed-mindedly sometimes. That's not a good thing. I'd like to ask you to be open-minded about what's here. I am not going to waste your time. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some information that I hope is very, very useful to you. And I also hope that you'll be able to take this information and put it into play immediately. I consider myself the leading authority in creating uh, exercises and techniques that you can insert into your ongoing parenting seamlessly. How am I going to do that? Two things. Number one, I'm going to go very quickly. I want you to be able to take this and use it fast. Number two, it's very practical. I'm not going to go into a lot of theory on anything. You deserve that. You can trust me that I've made all the mistakes that there are to make. There's an old adage that I cling to often. It says, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. And I must tell you that I've had some bad judgments in my past, and I've learned from them. I want to pass those along to you in the form of shortcuts, in the form of steps that you can take today to make a difference that will show up in your life right now. Not that long ago, I was asked the question, so who are you making the CD for? Who's going to benefit from this? Well, you know, I'm, I've made this CD specifically for parents who feel that their life is just a little bit of a rat race. And maybe you are beginning to sense that maybe something just isn't quite right with the kids. You know, maybe you sense that they don't appreciate all the hard work that goes into providing the life that you give them. Uh, or perhaps you're even noticing, like a lot of parents do, that there's almost a, an entitlement mentality that these kids have that's just sort of creeping in. seems like the more you give them, the less they appreciate it and the more they expect and uh, you know you don't perhaps you just are uncomfortable not knowing exactly what to do so you know you do like most parents you cross your fingers and you hope that things are going to work out okay but you know that deep inside you you earned what you've got and you want them to learn to do the same thing obviously you'd prefer that you could do that painlessly but sometimes that's not possible and you want to know what to do let's start here your money is not your wealth now look I love money Money is great for the things that money is good for. It brings you happiness. It can bring you a lot of fun. It can bring you much security. 
But when it comes to our kids, I think we'll all agree that the things that we're looking for to come out of them are not the kinds of things that money can buy. Otherwise, frankly, we would have purchased them. We're looking for other things. When I ask parents in a group what they want to see coming from their kids, they'll say things like, I want to see initiative. I want to see resilience. I want to see love. I want to see them be able to develop relationships that are successful. I want to see them be able to thrive. I want them to be able to see them have friendships. These are all things that literally come from a different sphere. And for the most part today, we are not paying attention to the things that are required to make those inner qualities come out. And you can believe me, those are the things that money can't buy. Those are the priceless things that we're looking for. Learning the techniques of making those qualities rise is what I call prosperous parenting. And we're going there right now. In order to cover the maximum amount of ground in the least amount of time, I'm going to discuss three simple areas. Number one, I'm going to go over some very simple background to understand kids and teenagers the way a child development expert understands them. Number two, I'm going to talk about the culture war that we are all in right now, whether we want to be or not. And number three, I'm going to talk about some very specific techniques and skills you can apply right now. These are things that will create those qualities that money can't buy. In the end, this will all dovetail together and give you a really good understanding about what to do. TheChampionsCourse.com In my public lecture, I spoke about several things. I spoke about the culture war that we're fighting right now. I talked about learning to control the things that you can control, and I gave you a list of those things. And I talked, finally, about learning to trust yourself because you will be tested. This is just a very simple way to look at chowdering, but it really all begins with one place, and that is understanding just a little bit about the minds of the kids that you live with right now. By the way, when I say kids, I'm talking about anybody that lives under your roof anybody that you're responsible for. In some ways, this is, a, this is a big, big order because we're dealing with a huge age span here, all the way from birth, for some of, for perhaps you, uh, to perhaps uh, teenage kids or beyond. Um, the average age of financial emancipation for kids in America right now is 28 years old. That's a little scary, and hopefully we can move that number back a little bit, but that's a reality we work with. In terms of understanding the people that we're responsible for rearing, this age range can be huge. Interestingly enough, the basics are very, very simple. And the basics don't change um, with your living conditions, whether you are an intact family, you're divorced, um, a recombined family, all the basics are the same. I'm going to give you a two-minute development lesson on how kids develop from being young children to adults. When children are born, they are very, very concrete thinkers. By that I mean that everything that they understand about the world has to be things that they can get their hands on. They must be able to touch and feel. They have to engage all of their senses. They must be able to see things, hear things, feel things, touch things, taste things. That's why very, very young babies, when they're trying to understand the world, they put things in their mouth. They feel them. They touch them. It's how they think, literally. 
Very small kids are really very concrete thinkers, actually up to the age of about 10 or 12. Now, obviously, kids in the later part of that age don't uh, put things in their mouth as much, but they are still very concrete thinkers. You, they don't, um, you can have higher-level conversations about feelings and such things as that with them, but they are really very, very simple, simple thinkers. When they hit the age of about 10 to 13, they go through a transformation in the way they think, and suddenly, because of brain development, suddenly they are able to think in abstract terms. And I can't emphasize this enough to you, that that is a huge change for everybody, because suddenly we can imagine things that aren't there. We can begin to see ourselves as other people see us. We can begin to have private feelings that don't uh, exactly jibe with what we tell people on the outside. We really develop a secret life where we have dreams and wishes that sometimes we just keep to ourselves. We can think about the consequences of our activities without actually having to go through it. These are all products of this incredible ability we develop at abstract thinking. Another thing that becomes very, very important is peer group acceptance. What's interesting about all this is that at this moment of realization when you suddenly become self-conscious or the point of self-consciousness, life literally changes completely. And this can happen very, very fast. You might even remember going through it yourself, actually. To some extent, I can. It was a strange and odd time. What The difference here, and what's important to know, is that there's a huge difference between raising kids that are below about 10 to 12 and raising kids that are older than that. Kids that are younger than 10 to 12 need to be told things very, very specifically. You can have rational, reasonable conversations with them if you like, but I can assure you that those kids do not think the way adults think. When kids become self-conscious, it changes everything. So you can go ahead and have conversations with younger kids if you like, but they aren't going to have the impact that you as an adult might think they're having. For example, you can tell your kids that you love them and that they mean the whole world to you, but that doesn't make half the difference is if you walk up and give them a big hug and kiss them and hug them and play with them, that connects with them. See, that's concrete. That's something they can experience. Kids don't get words very well until they get this self-realization and they pass through that period. If you really want to make an impact on them, touch them. Much on the other side, when kids pass through this 10 to 12 years age range, they become capable of thinking in much more uh, interesting and adult-like ways. Now remember, they're still kids and they still think in childlike ways. What you're dealing with really when you've got a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid is a young person with an adult brain and not much experience. So they really don't know what they're doing, and they can use it, and they can, frankly, they can misuse it. Sometimes they use it to, um, to think all kinds of bad things about themselves and conjure up all kinds of uh, bad scenarios for themselves. Other kids seem to be naturally geared to being optimistic and hopeful and having a bright future. What's important as a parent for you to understand is that the change takes place, and there needs to be a shift in your mind in terms of what happens, how you act, and what you do. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But in terms of child development, those are the critical keys. The Champions Course is streaming online training for busy parents who want their kids to have the edge.
Now that you have a very rudimentary understanding about how kids develop and what the central change is between childhood and the teenage years, it puts us in a good spot to begin to talk about the culture war that we're all facing right now. Because the way kids develop has everything to do with the way you need to impact them to bring out the very best they have. In my talk, I made the statement that we were all raised to live in a world that no longer exists. The computers and the internet and the technology that's sweeping the world right now has changed everything. And you'll agree that the world we're in today bears no resemblance to the ones that we were raised in. I pointed out five trends that are going on right now that we as parents have to face. And I want to review those very, very quickly for you because they're very powerful. Number one, life is going so fast right now. Speed is an incredible feature of our lives. And speed typically begets lack of patience and it also really strongly affects our ability to delay our gratification. It's possible now to become impatient sitting in a McDonald's line for 15 seconds. We get very ir- irritated if our computers don't bring up a, um, a web page in a second or two. We are becoming so addicted to speed, it's almost ridiculous. However, our children are growing up with that as completely normal and natural. And as a matter of fact, they think that there's something wrong if life isn't moving quickly. This uh, particularly affects kids that are very, very young, but teenagers are affected by it too. Number two, we are becoming a push-button society. By that, I mean that our kids are learning that everything happens by pushing a button. And if you can't push a button to make something happen, then there's something wrong. Now, that's kind of strange because we were all raised in a world, of course, where you had to actually work to make things happen. But imagine growing up in a world where everything was push-button. You would really begin to expect that work is done by pushing things. Well, the problem is is that We've got a whole generation of kids being raised with uh, almost handicapped in a way, not knowing that behind the scenes there's a lot of things that must happen for work to actually get done. A third cultural trend that we're fighting right now is the fact that our kids are being taught to look outside of themselves for their happiness and contentment. Computers are partially responsible for this. The materialistic way that we live our lives draws kids to look outside themselves for any source of satisfaction. This is a problem because we're really, in truth, we're raising a a, a whole generation of kids that don't know how to look inside themselves. They don't really even know what that means. We need to be careful of that. The fourth big trend is that parents are becoming irrelevant to the lives of our kids. In the olden days, young kids needed to look to their parents for guidance and direction. Parents were the experts. Parents were the repositories of wisdom. Kids went to their parents to get answers. Well, today, to be very candid with you, most kids know more about how the world works than the adults do because, you see, the rules have changed. It is a different world. So what we have is a whole generation of kids that mistrust adults and don't know really how what they're going to do with an adult. They don't know what it's for. Their peer group used to be the kids that lived around them, like when we were raised. Today, a child's peer group can be around the world, literally, with, with the people they can find on the Internet and the advice and the input they can get. It can come from sources that are completely separate from you. Sometimes the only good we are to these kids is as an ATM. We need to be very careful of that. The fifth major trend is that the Internet 
is legitimizing a lot of strange behavior. Let me boil this down for you. In normal culture, we learn right and wrong pretty much from watching the people around us and our peer groups, the people that, we're, that we live with. The Internet allows a lot of private behavior and the connection of people that share a certain kind of a belief. So what can happen is, and we see this happening a lot, is that there's a lot of Internet communities that pop up between people who all believe the same, sometimes strange stuff. And it creates a situation where your child can be developing a set of beliefs and norms and standards of behavior for themselves that may have nothing to do with what you want for them. And they are, they, it's legitimate. They feel as though they're right because they found other people out there in the world that think exactly the same way they do. And if you were 13 again and you could think abstractly for the first time, you would think that is extremely cool. All right, that's a pretty good list. Have I scared you enough? I understand that that's an awful lot to be thrown at you all at once, but... I just want to encourage you not to worry. You know, it's just amazing how life has a way of working things out for people who are interested and observant and proactive. And obviously, you are all those things. If you're like me, you can probably look at your own life and say, you know what, in some ways, I guess it's kind of amazing that I even got here. It's just incredible to me how life has a way of fixing things. And the same thing will go on with you and your kids. So let me ask you this. What are our options at this point? Um, what can you do to begin to handle all that is being thrown as? How can we go about being interested and observant and proactive with our own kids? Well, number one, I want you to understand that there's a herd mentality going on today among parents. Parenting is a very trendy business. It is full of ideas that sound very, very good but don't necessarily work. Now, I'm happy to tell you that, to a large extent, there's a shift going on right now. You know, starting back probably in the 60s or 70s, there was a real tendency among parenting publications and books and speakers and so on to encourage parents to be softer on kids and to let them grow in a little bit more gentle way. And we've seen, you know, you know 30 or 40 years of that style of parenting has worked itself out to to create a generation of kids that we see right now. Because of that, there is great pressure to change the way we look at raising our kids. I've got to tell you that as I look over the books that are coming out right now, it appears as, as though a, a, a more stronger, proactive, tougher parenting, if you will, looks to be coming back in. And the herd seems to be shifting over that direction. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. You see, one of the things that's happened in the past is that parenting books in the last 30 years or so have sort of equated toughness and strength with being bad. We've come to the idea that to be tough with our kids means being mean. Tough actually means being as lifelike as possible. And sometimes that's mean, but let's face it, sometimes life is a little bit tough. The problem with the herd that we're running with today is that it might be taking shifts and turns in the path that you aren't even aware of. You just look at your neighbors and see what they're doing and end up doing the same thing. We all end up being distracted and led away from what our instincts tell us is the best thing to do with our kids because we see other people acting the way they do. What happens today, and I see it very often, is that kids are being raised to smile a lot. That, in essence, is the ruler we use to judge whether our kids are doing well, and that is if they are smiling, seem happy, and are jovial all the time. 
when smiling becomes your standard of happiness, you're in for a rude, rude ride because smiles and happiness is only part of the equation of growing up healthy and happy. What happens is, because we want to see our kids smile and be happy all the time, we have a strong tendency to rescue them. And the entire herd that we're in, the herd of parents we're in, are, are, are really tuned in to rescuing kids and making things easy for them. Making th- And you hear this when you talk to other parents. They just want their kids to be happy and to be protected and to be safe and to make, make and have their lives be easier than the way we had it. The problem is, is that we're doing this sort of child-rearing at our expense, and the kids aren't learning anything. In truth, the kids aren't learning the vital lessons we learned because we didn't have it so well. Now, does this mean you should go out and just be just take everything away from your kids and be mean to them? Of course not. But it does mean that the herd is going to start shifting now because the times require it. Everything I talked to you about in the last few minutes about the changing in the culture demands a new kind of way of looking at our jobs as parents. Let me tell you, we can no longer be satisfied with just pacifying our kids and crossing our fingers. We have to learn how to no longer throw games and toys and vacations and cars in their paths and just magically expect good things to happen because that's not the way it works. That's not the way human beings develop. There are way too many forces right now that are actively acting to gain the attention of your kids. And if you want to be more powerful than the cultural forces, then you need to be just a little bit more proactive and specific than you've been in the past. I am going to spend the balance of this presentation sharing with you some very simple, simple ideas for creating priceless things within your kids. You will see benefits from these simple steps immediately. First, you must appreciate that this parenting job that we're in right now has the potential of being very vague. You know, because we are herd animals, we end up looking at generally what other folks are doing and trying to blend in. Well, if you want to try to make some some new inroads and try some new stuff, you need to be as specific as you can. You need to really understand what you're trying to accomplish. In Stephen Covey's great book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of his seven habits is begin with the end in mind. I have become really practically addicted to being focused on what it is I'm trying to accomplish than anything else. It's interesting is that as I focus more on what I'm trying to accomplish, it really directs what I'm doing much better. Let's look at this again honestly. At the end of the day, you know that you're going to decide what you want no matter what I say or what anybody else says. So make up your mind. If you have absolutely no clue Uh, what the end is that you're trying to achieve, then what I'm going to say next will be helpful to you. But either way, just make a decision. I've long believed that it's much better to have a parent that is really focused on what they want to accomplish than somebody that's just waffling around with really no idea. What I'm going to share with you will give you a much clearer idea about what you should be shooting for. Number one, always remember that your job, number one, is to prepare your kids for life. In other words, you need to teach them how to swim on their own. Swimming is actually a great analogy because, you know, if we could, a lot of parents that we know, maybe yourself or maybe other people that you know, would just as soon get in the pool with their kids and flop their arms and kick their legs for them. Unfortunately, nobody learns how to swim by having somebody do it for them. They need to undergo the intimidation, the fear, the pain, and sometimes just the let go to give it a shot. 
that's what's called teaching your kids how to swim, and that's exactly the metaphor you need for raising them to go out and swim in the real world. In other words, to prepare your kids for life, you need to stop rescuing them when real life scrapes up against them. I remember with my own kids, I got into the habit early on of when they would come to me with a problem, rather than solving the problem, I'd just ask them the question, so what are you going to do about it? And of course they would look at me strangely at first because they would expect me just to fix the problem for them. What I was trying to do is I was trying to get them to think and think and think some more about the things that they could do. I've mentioned before how many parents that I talk to, affluent parents in particular, they want to see certain qualities coming out of their kids. Well, One of the things that this question does is it puts the onus of change, it puts the, it puts the pressure for adaptation on your kids really where it should be. My goal was not to make them smile, not to make them laugh, not to make them happy some more, and not to rescue them, but to get them to think about how they could rescue themselves. Now look, I think smiling is great, but I wanted my kids to be as balanced as possible and take responsibility for themselves. And I started this thing when they were really, really young. What I was really happy to see is that as they grew up, they depended on me less and less for having the re- for looking for the resources that they needed to affect their own world. Remember, there's a huge difference here between helping them and making good things happen for them and having them learn how to make good things happen for themselves. Number two, remember that your strength and your power are good things. They are not to be feared. I just meet so many parents who are terrified to be strong with their kids, even when their own internal instincts are screaming at them to be strong and to stand up to their kids. For some reason, we buckle and we're a little bit fearful. Perhaps we're fearful of damaging their self-esteem, or perhaps we're fearful of somehow injuring them mentally in some way. I find way too many parents are just terrified of their kids. It reminds me of a story that I read not long ago about a teacher at a private school that was resigning early in her career. It was all the more surprising because she had been the teacher of the year the prior year. She said in her resignation letter, she said, I am tired of working at schools where the teachers are afraid of the principal, where the principal is afraid of the administration, where the administration is afraid of the board, where the board is afraid of the parents, where the parents are afraid of the kids, and where the kids aren't afraid of anybody. The Champions Course teaches you how to use sports to create life champions. Let me assure you that if you don't flex your strength in your child's life, someone else is going to have to. And believe me, it would be much better for you to flex your strength in your, in your own child's life because you care for your kids and the world couldn't care less. It is a much better arrangement for you to be powerfully present in your kid's life and self-confident with the power and the strength that you've been given as a parent. It's a good thing for parents to flex their strength with their kids and to stand up to them and tell them how things are going to be. I have heard some parenting experts go as far to say is that your attitude should be that your kids will pay better attention to you than you will to them. Now, trust me, that's a very, very strong statement, but think about that. Most kids that have grown up to be healthy, effective, 
powerful human beings have been raised in the presence of a parent who is not afraid of their own power. And I would suggest that your power is something that you cannot afford to be rid of. Your strength is a protective umbrella for your kids and you need to spread it out now. Now you may not know exactly how to do that, but my first and primary suggestion is that you let the kids know who is in charge of your home. There are entirely too many homes where the kids are running things and where the kids' needs, their desires, their wants are preeminent. In your home, I suggest that it's perfectly okay for your needs, your wants, and your desires to come number one. The next thing, remember that the word no is a vitamin. Uh, several years ago, there were a lot of books that were out on the whole topic of boundaries and having boundaries for your kids. Perhaps you're familiar with that. I can summarize the entire boundaries theme in parenting by simply saying, learn to say no. You'll remember a little bit ago I said that life is sort of the X factor in raising kids, that somehow life has a way of balancing things out. If I were you, I would make your home work much like the world does. And when your kids go out in the real world, they are going to hear no an awful lot. If they don't have the vitamin given to them as they're growing up at home, they're never going to be able to deal with it when they get out in the real world. Because as I said a few minutes ago, and you know this as well as I do, life couldn't care less if they learn the lesson or not. It is better that they be strengthened at home by hearing it from you. Just learn to say no in simple things. You don't have to go home right. You know, you don't have to start doing this, saying no all the time to your kids right now. Just in small things, begin to establish the boundary by saying no. If you have a hard time doing it, I would suggest that you stop the CD and just say no a few times. Imagine some of the scenarios that occur in, in your home and begin the process of learning just to say it to yourself. It's perfectly okay, and you'll find that Although your kids may frown and you may feel guilty and bad and horrible and like you're doing something detestable to your children, trust me, it's a vitamin. It's good for them to hear, but better yet, it's good for them to learn how to handle that and know what to do next with it. Another very strong suggestion I would make is to make sure that in your discipline of your children, whether they be young children or, old kid, or older kids, is that you learn to take action quickly. In almost every case of defiant misbehavior that I saw when I was a professional therapist and in uh, the meantime as I've done seminars and countless one-on-ones with parents is that the biggest problem with kids that are misbehaved is that the parents wait too long to take assertive action. In other words, they tend to be too waffly and give the kids too many chances. You need to understand something important about the way kids are built. They come into this world with a very simple rule in their DNA. And the rule is, it's so simple, the rule is push until you're stopped. And if you get stopped, invoke the rule again. Push until you're stopped. And if you get stopped, invoke the rule again. Push until you're stopped. See, and you know this, you may be even laughing right now. You'll know the kids push until they're stopped. And when you stop them, what do they do? They push until they're stopped. Well, see, the same thing happens. In fact, they're in, this is inborn. This is called thriving. <laughs> and it's a good, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, but it's a double-edged sword. It obviously allows kids to stay alive, but it also creates a situation where your kids will keep pushing until something or somebody stops them. 
And you know what? You can try, if you want to, to talk to your kids and encourage them to listen to you and to pay attention to you and to obey your lines. But sometimes kids push until they're stopped. And when they are stopped by a proactive parent, they push a little bit further. And you may be laughing now because you, I guarantee you these are your kids. Just do yourself a favor and don't wait so long to take proactive action with your kids and draw the line hard and strong. It's okay to be strong. It is okay to be strong. If you are seeing behavior in your home that you don't like, but it keeps repeating over and over and doesn't seem to stop, I can assure you that somewhere along the lines, it's being rewarded. If there's anything we know about human beings, it is that when behavior is rewarded, it tends to be repeated. So though you may not think you're rewarding certain bad activities, if it keeps happening, I guarantee you, somewhere along the line, it is being rewarded. How do you find that? Sometimes you have to ask for the input of somebody on the outside to look at you. But pretty much, if you are just open-minded enough to say, you know what, if my child keeps doing this, I must be doing something to reward it, and you begin to look at yourself objectively, it'll sometimes jump right out at you. And I'll tell you, if your child is misbehaved now, over and over and over, there are people in your life right now that know exactly what the problem is, but may be afraid to tell you. You could do yourself a huge favor by going to them and saying, look, would you do me please a favor and just let me know of anything you see that I'm doing that need that I need to, that I may be somehow rewarding this behavior. And they'll tell you, be open-minded, be, uh, be thankful for that input. It might hurt a little bit, but trust me, it will help. The next thing, and this is a great, great suggestion, and I would hope that you would take this and embrace it. Successful parents that I have known all are fine with being wrong and experimenting and staying flexible. They are all right with being wrong and learning and having someone say, look, this is what you need to do. They are fine with doing experiments with their kids to see what works and what doesn't. And they're always willing to be flexible and say, all right, maybe I need to be a little stronger here. Maybe I need to be a little bit nicer over here. They are always, they are much less worried about making mistakes than they are about trying new ideas. As I mentioned in my public lecture, I'm working on a book right now that I'm tentatively entitling Tough Mothers. I have talked to many mothers of successful celebrities that we know, sports stars, movie stars, music stars, educational and political stars. The main thing I'm learning from all these mothers, and it is truly fascinating, is that all of them went into this saying, look, I don't know what I'm doing as a mother. <laughs> I have no clue. But this is where I'm going to start, and I'm going to be flexible, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to try things. All of them, to a person, I can assure you, were willing to be strong with their kids. And they care. They didn't care so much about whether their kids turned out okay in the long term. They just said, for right now, this is what I stand for, and I'm not going to move on this. I would encourage you to stay open, experiment with your kids, and be willing to say, this is what I believe, and I'm going to stand by it no matter what happens. The Champions Course is 24. Five to ten minute video lessons you can watch on your phone, tablet, or computer. The last thing I'd like to talk to you about in terms of being specific is to always be mindful to control what you can control and don't worry about the things you can't control. There are certain elements, certain things that go on inside your life that you just can't control. Don't worry about those. There are 
several things, though, that you can have tremendous control over. There are five, and I talk about these in my public lecture. Number one, help your kids learn to earn things. Number two, help your kids learn to adapt. Number three, don't be afraid to be a little tougher on them. Number four, be patient. Number five, love them more. These are five specific things that you can control. Number one, earn things. Let them find out what it feels like to do a little bit of labor and earn something that is theirs. Most of our kids have been given enough that they think that they don't have to earn anything. Do them a huge favor and make them work a little bit more. Most purchases can be bought in combination with your money and theirs. It's perfectly okay to work out kind of an economy inside your home where your kids earn money by working or by through some sort of allowance, but then when uh, purchases are made that they do it in combination with you. They throw in some money, you throw in some money. Number two, make them adapt. It's okay for them to have to work a little bit to not get everything they want. It builds them stronger when they have to adapt. Number three is being tough. As you've heard me say before, this isn't about being mean. This is about being real and making sure your kids believe that when you say something, that's the way it is. If you set up rules, don't back away. Don't waffle. Hold your ground. It's perfectly okay that that you give them a lot of things, but make sure at some point the line is drawn and you say from this point, this is the line and no further. That is not that is not only not mean, that is probably one of the kindest things you can possibly teach your kids. Number four, extend patience to them. You know, your kids didn't get where they are today without a lot of trial and error, years and years of training. They are not going to change overnight. It might take some time. So be patient with them. And start installing some, some of these ideas now, but Look at them through the long term. Look at them through a long lens. And whatever you do, number five, love them more and more and more. Despite their weaknesses, despite the things that drive you crazy about them, love them more. I love the quote from Mother Teresa who said, We think that love, in order to be genuine, needs to be extravagant. What we really need is love that lasts a long time. What she's saying is be patient with the kids and love them over the long term, not in extravagant bursts of spending or travel or vacations or parties, but in little ways every day long term. Remember that at the end of the day, there is one thing in your child's life that is priceless beyond all things. That priceless thing, the thing that money can't buy, is you and your love, and your care for your kids. You need to show up for them. And you need to show them the breadth of what it takes to survive in this life. The breadth of what it takes to be happy externally and internally. They learn that stuff from you. And the clearer you are about this, the more powerfully it will be transmitted to them. And if you apply these lessons in a patient, long view, you're going to get there. Sign up at www.thechampionscourse.com. That's www.thechampionscourse.com. I sure hope that you'll come and hear me live. If you haven't heard me already, please visit me at my website or uh, via email. I'd love to develop a win-win relationship one-on-one between you and I. I'm happy to help you with these things. You know, raising kids to me is one of the most priceless journeys I've ever experienced. And I hope the same for you and yours. 
Sign up at www.thechampionscourse.com. That's www.thechampionscourse.com.